0: If you will open to the 127th Psalm. There's a red pewback Bible in front of you if you need one, and that will be found on page 518. I'll read the first two verses of the 127th Psalm. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. It is good to see you this morning, especially if you're visiting with us. We're really, really glad that you've come. Thank you so much for being a part of our worship. I wanna mention one more time that this Friday night starts our seminar called Islam in Christ's Eyes. Our speaker's name is Wissam Al-Athawi. Wissam was born in Baghdad. He was raised as a Muslim and he was converted to Christ. He is a brother in Christ. He is a gospel preacher in the Detroit area, Detroit, Michigan, and he is ministering to the Muslim community where he lives. That is, he's speaking with people who are currently Muslims and teaching them about the gospel. Wissam has a very unusual perspective compared to most of the preachers I know, probably most of the preachers you know. Because of his background and because of his personal knowledge of Islam, he's able to say some things and to teach us some things that we may not be aware of. I don't know about you, but I want to be reasonable and I want to be able to be somewhat informed in having a discussion with somebody who is of the Muslim faith about how the gospel affects their lives and about how to approach them. What kind of assumptions are they making about life and and reality? And I'm pretty sure that most of us could be better informed in this particular area. That's why we're having this seminar. So Friday evening. At 7 o'clock, we're going to begin and then Saturday morning next week on uh, Saturday morning from 9.30 to 12.30. Brother Wassam will have a number of lessons. He's going to have a question and answer segment at the end of each lesson. And then next Sunday, he'll be teaching our adult Bible class in the auditorium combined. And he'll also be teaching and preaching in our worship services next Sunday morning and Sunday night be praying about this. There's a lot of interest, uh, not only from our brethren in the area, but a lot of interest from the community about this particular event. Be praying that hearts will be touched with the Gospel and that souls will be brought to God. Our theme for this particular month, our theme for the year has been, let us rise up and build as God's people. We want to rise up and build things that God says are important. And our theme for this particular month, the month of November, is building with our great God. We ought to stop and ask ourselves every once in a while if we've gone off on our personal tangent, our personal agenda, and whether we're building things that really matter to God, whether we're investing in things that are really important to Him. We need to ask ourselves those questions. If you haven't already got your Bible open to Psalm 127, go ahead and open it there at this time. Psalm 127, we are teaching our 15 year old son to drive a car. That's a harrowing experience as you can imagine if you've been through something like that. I'm pretty comfortable at this point when he's going around 40 to 45 miles an hour and that's quite an accomplishment all by itself. But we're not ready for the fast lane yet. I have repeated this phrase extensively over the past few months. You have to make quick decisions when you're on the road. And the faster you go, the more critical it is to make those quick decisions and to make good ones at that. And you think about getting on the interstate over here. And you think about merging across traffic over to the left lane, the fast lane how many decisions and how much pressure there is and how fast you have to decide what's gonna happen next, where am I gonna go, how am I going to make this transition? And when you're in the fast lane, things keep on happening faster. There's not a lot of time to think. You need to already have an idea of where you're going and how you're gonna get there before you get in the fast lane. Most of us are living in the fast lane because of where we live because of the society in which we live. We have invented all kinds of time-saving gadgets and gizmos, and we are, instead of having more time, we are busier than ever before. And what I find when I read God's Word is that it speaks to us in all the various parts of our lives, and it speaks to people who are living in the fast lane, where there's a lot of pressure, where there are a lot of decisions that have to be made quickly, where there is a lot of stress. God's Word speaks to us. And Psalm 127 is an example of that. Look at Psalm 127 and notice some things about it preliminarily as we study it this morning. I want you to notice first of all that everybody in Psalm 127 is busy. Everybody. Psalm 127, verse 1, there is a builder of a house. He's busy. He's got a house to build. He doesn't have time to sit and talk with you. In Psalm 127, verse 1, there is a watchman over a city, and he's busy too. He's got to keep awake at night so that he can make sure that no enemies approach and cause trouble for the people that he's watching over. In Psalm 127, verse 2, there is a worker and he is waking up early in the morning, and he's working all day, and he's going to bed late at night. He's busy, you see that? And then Psalm 127 verses three through five, there is a father, and he has a quiver full of kids. Do you see that Psalm 127 verses three through five? A father with a quiver full of kids. And someone has well said, when you've got a quiver full, you've got a handful. He's busy. All these individuals are living life in the fast lane and God's wanting to remind them about who he is and about how his word and his principles impact their lives. Notice this secondly about Psalm 127, it's attributed to Solomon. If you have titles in your Bible up above the Psalms, it'll say a song of ascents of Solomon or something to that effect. Solomon was a man with tremendous talent and ability. He was a man who had been given wisdom more than anybody else who has ever lived except for Jesus. Solomon was a man who was in high demand. You want to ask Solomon about being busy? He constantly had people coming to him and asking him to make decisions and judgments. And he was involved himself proactively in all kinds of plans and projects. He was ruling a country. And Solomon, by inspiration, has written this section of scripture for us. Notice this number three as we talk about Psalm 127, living life in the fast lane. It is called a song of ascents. You see that at the beginning of your psalm there in the title? A song of ascents. This is a kind of psalm that would be sung as the people of Israel made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. God in the old law commanded that every year at certain times, families were supposed to come to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. And as they were going up that hill into Jerusalem, they would sing songs like this. The songs of ascents are actually found from Psalm 120 all the way down to Psalm 134 from 120 to 134, those are the songs of ascents. And you'll find phrases like this, Psalm 122 verse one, I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. And so if you can imagine this pilgrim train of thousands of Israelites coming to Jerusalem to sing and to praise God and to bring their sacrifices and offerings to God, you can imagine the, the mass of humanity. And what are they saying to each other? They're singing these kinds of songs. I was glad when they said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. They were singing these kinds of things. And so as we think about life in the fast lane, what I want us to do this morning is look at Psalm 127 and notice who God is and what he says about himself to people who are going so fast then maybe we haven't taken time recently to stop and think about what's really important, about what really matters. If you're looking at Psalm 127 verse one, notice this first of all. There is in verse one, a statement about purpose, about significance. What's meaningful, what's valuable. The word vain is found three times in the first two verses. Solomon knew all about vanity, didn't he? He knew all about what was empty, what was worthless, what was meaningless, what was futile. He wrote an entire book about it by inspiration, the book of Ecclesiastes. And he says this in Psalm 127 verse one, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Here you've got two really busy individuals, the builder of the house, the watchman over the city, and all their efforts, the Bible says, are empty and they are futile and they are meaningless unless God is the one that's doing the building, unless God is the one who's doing the watching. We need to stop and think about what God is invested in and what he's interested in. When we read Psalm 127 verses 1 and 2, brothers and sisters and friends, I think sometimes we get things wrong in our lives as we approach the decisions that we make. We sometimes do this. We make decisions and then after the fact, we invite God into those decisions that we've made. God, I've I've made this plan. I've got this expectation. Will you come along with me and bless it? What Psalm 127 verse one is telling us is this, God invites us into his plans and decisions. And our goal and our obligation is to ask the question, am I really interested in the same things God is? Am I really investing in and building and watching over the same things God is invested in and is building and is watching over? That's the right perspective. And for all of these Israelites that are on this pilgrim train to Jerusalem, it was a reminder for them as they came around the corner and they saw the temple in Jerusalem at the top of the hill and they saw the walls of the city and they were reminded there are some houses that God builds. Solomon is the one who built the temple, 1 Kings chapters 1 through 5. And Solomon's the one by inspiration who wrote these words, if God hasn't built the house, it's empty. It's vain, it's futile. There were a lot of temples in the world in the days of the Israelites. A lot of pagan gods had temples designated and dedicated for their name and for their glory. But if God's not in it, if he's not the one that built it, it's ultimately empty. There were a lot of cities in the world that had walls and defenses, but if God's not watching over the city, we're watching in vain. Jesus came to this world and he said this, I say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church. Matthew 16 verse 18. Jesus said this when somebody asked him about divorce and remarriage and if that's okay and how many times you can do it, things like that. Jesus said, Matthew 19 verse 6, Whatever God has joined together, let not man separate. Think about this. There are some things that God has built. God has built a church, a kingdom that belongs to him. God has built families. And when God joins two people together, let not man separate those two if I am living at warp speed, if I am in the fast lane all the time, I'm gonna start inevitably making some decisions about where I'm going and what I'm doing with my life, and I'm gonna miss out on God's purpose in this world. Let me tell you what God wants. More than anything else, He wants you to know Jesus Christ, He wants you to obey Jesus Christ, He wants you to be saved from your sins and to have a relationship with Him. More than anything else, that's what is significant. And we find life and relationships and forgiveness only in him. Only in Jesus. Got your Bible open to Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5. It's a book we're not very familiar with. Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5. Habakkuk has a question. He wants to know why God is going to use wicked people like Babylon to save or to uh, to punish the Israelites. After all, they're more wicked than the Israelites are. And God says this in Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5. He says, "I'm going to work a work in your days." which no one would believe even if it were told of you. In Habakkuk chapter one, verse five, God says, I'm gonna do some things, I've got some plans, and my plans are not subject to negotiation, they're not subject to your counsel, I'm not asking you for your help. If you wanna be a part of my plans, get on board. As God's people, as people who live in this world, as people who wanna go fast and have to go fast sometimes, It's helpful to stop and think about why we're doing what we're doing. God invites us into his plan. Now turn over to Acts 13, verse 41. Acts 13, verse 41, and notice what the scripture says. When Paul was preaching to some Jews about Jesus and about the resurrection, he quotes from Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5, and this is his application to them. The Jews were skeptical about Jesus, and they were skeptical about the church, and they were skeptical about the idea that they needed to change in their beliefs and their ideas. And Paul says this, in Acts chapter 13, verse 40, he says, "'Beware therefore, lest what is spoken "'in the prophets come upon you. "'Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, "'for I will work a work in your days, "'which by no means you will believe, "'though one were to declare it to you.'" In other words, what Paul does is he appropriates that passage out of Habakkuk 1, verse 5, and he says, this is about Christ and his gospel. We need to be careful about assuming that God is with us. We need to be careful about ignoring God in our plans. The Bible is saying in Psalm 127, verse 1, I can work and I can labor and I can stay awake watching the city, and if God's not in it, what I'm doing ultimately is vain. It's empty. It's futile. Go back to Psalm 127 and look at verse 2 now. Everybody's busy in Psalm 127, everybody's got something to do. In Psalm 127, verse 2, this sounds an awful lot like a lot of Americans listen to what he says. Third time he uses the word vain. Psalm 127 verse 2. It's a statement about balance, by the way. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. Stop right there. He is describing somebody who wakes up extremely early in the morning and works 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 all day until the sun has gone down. Then he keeps working and he keeps working. And he calls his family and says, I'm not going to make it to dinner tonight. Sorry, things got busy at the office. And he does this not just once in a while, but he does it all the time. And the Bible says in that third line there, it says, he's eating the bread of anxious toil, some translations say eating the bread of sorrows. In other words, it's a miserable way to live, but people are living this way because they feel like they have to. If I don't live this way, well, I'm not gonna have what I need and I'm not gonna be able to feed people that that depend on me and things like that. And God's saying, you need to stop and think about who I am. I'm a God, number one, who builds and watches over some things. I build houses. I watch over cities, but number two, I am a God, look at the last line there in verse two, I am a God who gives rest and sleep. You see that? Psalm 127 verse two, for so he gives his beloved, the people that he loves, sleep. That's an interesting line as you look at Psalm 127. Because here are people that are living life in the fast lane, they're constantly going, they're constantly busy, they're constantly stressed and frenetic, and they're anxious about everything. And then God says, to the people that I love, I give sleep. Did you know that even with all our science and technology, we still have not figured out why people sleep? After all these centuries, we spend about a third of our lives asleep and they're still not entirely sure why we sleep. The Bible says in Psalm 139 verse 14, I will praise you God for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God invented it, didn't he? God's the one who when Adam at the very beginning in Genesis chapter two, when Adam was going to to have a rib taken from him to, to create the woman, God caused him to fall into a deep sleep. God invented sleep. Strange things happen to people when they don't sleep. We've done studies. People have tried to stay awake for 24 hours, for 48 hours. Did you know that by the time somebody stays awake for about 48 hours, they get very, very irritable? Seriously, I know that's not a surprise. But not only that, they become agitated and violent. They start to hallucinate. And the record for somebody staying awake is just under a week as, I'm, as I understand it. You can't stay awake that long. What's the message? As you look at it, Psalm 127 verse two, he gives to his beloved sleep. The message is this, brothers and sisters and friends, the God that we serve is a God who invented rest. And not only that, he built rest into the life and relationships of his people. He did. And while it's a good thing to work hard, there's nothing wrong with waking up early and there's nothing wrong with staying up late. You've got projects, you've got things that are going on. There's nothing inherently wrong with those things. When that becomes the pattern of my life, when that becomes the way that I constantly am living, I'm in the fast lane and I never hit the brake and I never take an exit, that may well be a sign that something is wrong with my heart spiritually. Have I stopped to consider that God gives rest to his beloved? Jesus said to the apostles on one occasion, when they were busy and they had been working hard, come apart for a while and rest. Come aside. Mark chapter 6 verse 31, Jesus himself, you talk about pressure. You talk about someone who has got the weight of the world on his shoulders. Jesus found time to rest and to sleep and to withdraw. The Bible says that when there was a great storm on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus was asleep on a pillow in Mark chapter four, verses 39 through 41. You know, sometimes people say, well that's that's because Jesus was at peace with God. It may well just have been because Jesus was so physically tired. It was time to sleep. But sleep and rest, they do have something to say about our trust. Do I trust God? Do I believe in his providence and his care for me? Do I believe that I'm not the center of the world? And there are a lot of things that I can do that I don't have to do because of the fact that I belong to him. Unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord watches the city, the Lord gives rest, the Lord gives sleep. Then notice this, number three this morning. What does this Psalm have to say to people who are living in the fast lane? You can just imagine these Hebrew moms and dads bringing their kids up the hill to Jerusalem to worship. This was a day before minivans, by the way. Minivans are really nice inventions. I know some of you are really anti-minivan. That's all right. You'll learn. They put DVD players in those things. And when you get in a minivan and you've got little kids, you can put on the movie, you can put on the show and drive on down the road and there's onboard entertainment. That's what they call it. God gives us children and he shows us some things about the value of children in Psalm 127 verses 3 through 5. A Hebrew dad, think about what's going through his mind. He had to leave home. He had to leave his crops. Joseph, Jesus' father, he had to leave his carpentry business, and there were probably all kinds of commissions that he'd been given and all kinds of furniture still to build, and Joseph was not able to finish those because he had to come to Jerusalem. And so going through his mind as he's making this journey up the hill to Jerusalem, he's thinking about all the things that he needs to get done when he gets back. And then the voice of God speaks, and it says this in Psalm 127, verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. The voice of God says to those Hebrew fathers, your children are a heritage. They are a reward. They are a blessing. Blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them because one day he's gonna be able to stand in the gates and people aren't gonna be able to push him around because his children are grown. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, people are not gonna be able to gainsay this man because he's got a strong family, a godly family, a family that stands for something. And what the Bible is doing, brothers and sisters, is this. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. Our greatest and most important ministry is always at home without question, without discussion. Your greatest ministry and my greatest ministry are always at home. Whatever home looks like, I have a responsibility to my family. You and I have a responsibility to invest in children. And if you've had small children, you know this by experience, you cannot microwave them. Sometimes you'd like to You can't force them to grow up fast. You can't do it by proxy. You can't let somebody else do it. It's not gonna have the same result. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter six, verse four, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but train them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That can't be done in the fast lane. It just can't. Have some dear friends, they had their first baby yesterday living somewhere else, thrilled for them. I saw them this summer and got to visit with them a little bit. And one of the things I say to young parents is this, because I know it by experience, babies are one of God's ways of showing us that we may need to slow our lives down quite a bit because you can't rock a baby in a hurry. You just can't. And what God is saying to these Hebrew parents and what he's saying to all of us is this, you know, the fast lane's where you gotta be sometimes. That's the way life is sometimes. It's okay to be in the fast lane, but don't ever forget that there are some things that really matter to God. It matters whether I'm building the things that God wants built. It matters whether I'm watching the things God once watched. It matters whether there's balance in my life and my work, whether I ever take time to rest. That matters, it matters to God. And it matters how I view the children in my life. Some people won't get married. Some people who are married won't have kids. But I tell you this, every one of us can invest in children to the glory of God. Every one of us can shine the light of Jesus into their lives. And we can show them something of what it means to be a faithful child of God and a servant of His and you can't do those things in a hurry. And so this song of ascents, they didn't have minivans. And can you imagine taking a two-year-old by foot on a journey from Nazareth all the way down to Jerusalem and doing it not just once, doing it several times. Can you imagine all the stress and all the discomfort that's involved in that? And God is saying, those children are a heritage, they are a reward, and you need to see them that way. When I read Psalm 127, the thing that astounds me most of all is this. Brothers and sisters and friends, it's a picture of Jesus. It's a picture of what he's like. When you look at his life and his ministry, he was always interested in building the things that God wanted built, wasn't he? He was always watching over the things that God wanted watched. He was always careful to maintain a balance between work and rest in his life. Nobody had more important work than Jesus. Nobody was busier than Jesus, and yet Jesus took time to sleep, to rest. And nobody was more interested in children to the glory of God than Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, they were bringing children, and some of the disciples said, no, 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 the master, he doesn't have time for those children. He doesn't have time for them. Jesus became angry, the Bible says, and he said, let those little children come to me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. He was interested in them. He invested in them. We're talking about building with our great God. When you look at how Jesus built, about how he lived his life, There's an awful lot to consider in Psalm 127, isn't there? Let's be like him. Let's ask ourselves whether we've invited God into our plans or whether we are coming into his plans and obeying his word. If you have not obeyed the gospel, part of becoming what God wants you to be has to do with coming to Christ and receiving the forgiveness that's only available in him. It has to do with recognizing that God built this world for a reason. And God wants me to serve Him and love Him faithfully all the days of my life. Believe in Jesus Christ. Repent of your sin. Confess His name. Be baptized in water. Because at the point of baptism, we contact the saving blood of Christ we become part of what God sent Jesus to do in this world. God sent Jesus to save sinners because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you need to respond this morning, if you want to obey the gospel, or if you want to ask for prayers, Heaven's invitation is yours. While together we stand and sing this song of encouragement. Come to Jesus, he will say,